Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today is day 47 in our study of the Catechism. We are going to finish the very first part out of the four parts of the Catechism. Uh, this part on the Creed, we're finishing the 12th article concerning life everlasting. And in day 46, we talked about the essential happiness that the words life everlasting uh, signify. And today we are going to talk about and finish our discussion of the, of the creed with uh, the accessory happiness. As the Catechism said, um, life everlasting denotes two kinds of happiness, uh, essential happiness and accessory happiness. The accessory happiness uh, denotes the kinds of goods which follow upon essential happiness. And so we will read the last couple pages here. The subtitle is Accessory Happiness. And then we'll uh, turn to a little discussion about the meaning of the phrase, My Father's house has many mansions. So let's read um, under this subtitle. To this happiness, namely to essential happiness, however, are added certain gifts which are common to all the blessed, and which because more within the reach of human comprehension are generally found more effectual in moving and inflaming the heart. These the Apostle seems to have in view when in his epistle to the Romans he says, Glory and honor and peace to everyone that worketh good. That's in Romans chapter 2. Glory. For the blessed shall enjoy glory, not only that glory which we have already shown to constitute essential happiness, or to be its inseparable accompaniment, but also that glory which consists in the clear and distinct knowledge which each of the blessed shall have of the singular and exalted dignity of his companions in glory. Honor. And how distinguished must not that honor be which is conferred by God himself, who no longer calls them servants, but friends, brethren, and sons of God. Hence the Redeemer will address his elect in these most loving and honorable words. Come ye blessed of my Father, possess you the kingdom prepared for you. Um, as we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Justly then may we exclaim, Thy friends, O God, are made exceedingly honorable. That's uh, Psalm 138. They shall also receive the highest praise from Christ the Lord in presence of his heavenly Father and his angels. And if nature has implanted in the heart of every man the common desire of securing the esteem of men eminent for wisdom, because they are deemed the most reliable judges of merit, what an accession of glory to the blessed to show towards each other the highest veneration. peace, to enumerate all the delights with which the souls of the blessed shall be filled would be an endless task. We cannot even conceive them in thought. With this truth, however, the minds of the faithful should be deeply impressed that the happiness of the saints is full to overflowing of all those pleasures which can be enjoyed or even desired in this life, whether they regard the powers of the mind or of the perfection of the body. 
albeit this must be in a manner more exalted than, to use the apostles' words, I hath seen, ear heard, or the heart of man conceived. Thus the body, which was before gross and material, shall put off in heaven its mortality, and having become refined and spiritualized, will no longer require corporal food, while the soul shall be satiated to its supreme delight with that eternal food of glory, which the master of that great feast passing will minister to all. Who will desire rich apparel or royal robes, where there shall be no further use for such things, and where all shall be clothed with immortality and splendor, and adorned with a crown of imperishable glory? And if the possession of a spacious and magnificent mansion contributes to human happiness, what more spacious, what more magnificent can be conceived than heaven itself, which is illumined throughout with the brightness of God? Hence the prophet, contemplating the beauty of this dwelling place, and burning with the desire of reaching those mansions of bliss, exclaims, How lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth and fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh have rejoiced in the living God. That the faithful may be all filled with the same sentiments and utter the same language and utter the same the same language to be the object of the pastor's most earnest desires as it should also be of his zealous labors. For in my father's house, says our Lord, there are many mansions. Uh, we read that in John chapter 14, verse 2. In which shall be distributed rewards of greater and of less value according to each one's deserts. He who soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who soweth in blessings shall also reap blessings. As St. Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And finally, the last paragraph in part one here is entitled, How to Arrive at the Enjoyment of This Happiness. The pastor, therefore, should not only encourage the faithful to seek this happiness, but should frequently remind them that the sure way of obtaining it is to possess the virtues of faith and charity, to persevere in prayer and the use of the sacraments, and to discharge all the duties of kindness towards their neighbor. Thus, through the mercy of God, who has prepared that blessed glory for those who love him, shall be one day fulfilled the words of the prophet, My people shall sit in the beauty of peace, and in the tabernacle of confidence, and in wealthy rest. And that's from Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. And so with that citation of Isaiah, we conclude the first part of this Catechism, part one. And we can see in that paragraph a sort of a beautiful segue to the other three parts of the Catechism. It says that how should we obtain this happiness, these mansions uh, to promise to the, to the saints? And he says, well, we should persevere in um, prayer and the use of the sacraments and in the duties of kindness towards our neighbor. I think that's an allusion to the next three parts of the, uh, the Catechism concerning the sacraments, concerning the commandments, 
and concerning prayer. And uh, we also see that the Catechism um, quotes the uh, uh, cites cite John chapter 14 when Christ says, For in my Father's house there are many mansions. And fortunately, we have a couple articles, and this is in the supplement to the Summa, the part where a student of St. Thomas finished off his work concerning the sacraments and, and finished the Summa, which St. Thomas was unable to complete because he he died before he could complete it. But his students um, his, took up his extensive notes on the uh, sentences of St. Peter Lombard and put together the supplemental text, which is the thought of St. Thomas, though not directly written by him, it's, um, but it seems to contain his, his um, thought very well. And uh, in that supplement, in question 93, uh, we have a whole question concerning the happiness of the saints and of their mansions. And I thought we would read uh, brief sections from the second and third article in question 93 um, uh, concerning the mansions. And the second article is entitled, Whether the Degrees of Beatitude Should Be Called Mansion. And um, so we read here, uh, first of all, they quote John Chapter 14, in my father's house there are many mansions. And in the, on the contrary, it says, uh, St. Augustine expounds this in reference to the different degrees of rewards. So those mansions, um, the difference in the mansions um, correlate to the different degrees of rewards. And um, so we read, I answer that since... Local movement precedes all other movements. Terms of movement, distance, and the like are derived from local movement to all other movements according to the philosopher. Now the end of local movement is a place, and when a thing has arrived at that place, it remains there at rest and is maintained therein. Hence, in every movement, this very rest at the end of the movement is called and establishment, the Latin is co-locatio, or mansion. So we see that the word mansion uh, can signify the, the place or the rest at the end of a movement. Wherefore, since the term movement is transferred to the actions of the appetite and, and will, the attainment of the end of an appetitive movement is called a mansion, or establishment, so that the unity of a house corresponds to the unity of beatitude, which unity is on the part of the object, and the plurality of mansions corresponds to the differences of beatitude on the part of the blessed. Even so, we observe in natural things that there is one same place above to which all light objects tend whereas each one resides, each one reaches it more closely according as it is lighter, so that they have various mansions corresponding to their various lightness. Uh, and so we see, first of all, that when we uh, read my father's house is, 
many mansions. Uh, St. Thomas's thought is that these mansions denote the place um, in sort of an extended sense, the place that is reached as the term of the appetites or the will, um, the place of rest according to its um, different degrees of reaching that place. So in one of the replies to the objections, the word mansion implies the notion of end and consequently of reward, which is the end of merit. So the various mansions are distinguished according to the various, the various rewards. Um, and let's turn to the third article here for a little more clarity on this. This article is entitled, Whether the Various Mansions Are Distinguished According to the Various Degrees of Charity. And there we read, again, the, this is the, in the On the Contrary, we have a short little statement. It says, the more one will be united to God, the happier will one be. Now the measure of charity is the measure of one's union with God. Therefore, the diversity of beatitude will be according to the difference of charity. So in the body of this article, we read, I answer that the distinctive principle of the mansions or degrees of beatitude is twofold, namely proximate and remote. The proximate principle is the difference of disposition which will be in the blessed, whence will result the difference of perfection in them in respect to the beatific operation. While the remote principle is the merit by which they have obtained that beatitude. In the first way, the mansions are distinguished according to the charity of heaven, which the more perfect it will be in any one, the more will it render him capable of the divine clarity, on the increase of which will depend the increase in perfection of the divine vision. In the second way, the mansions are distinguished according to the charity of the way. For our actions are meritorious not by the very substance of the action, but only by the habit of virtue with which they are informed. Now every virtue obtains its meritorious efficacy from charity, which has the end itself for its object. Hence the diversity of merit is all traced to the diversity of charity, and thus the charity of the way will distinguish the mansions by way of merit. So that's interesting, and it's, it's um, rather profound, but we at least see some, we at least gain a little more insight into this uh, citation from John when our Lord says, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Um, that gives us a little bit more of a sense uh, for the idea that in heaven uh, those who have arrived at a greater at a greater virtue of charity, will see God more clearly, um, and all will see all will see God, but um, will see Him in diverse ways according to the merit and the charity which they have. Um, so that's, I think, a, a pretty good start to understand what our Lord means there. Um, but so we will we will stop there in our discussion of the creed. 
this is a big day for us because we 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 have uh, we've finished this whole first part. It's uh, around page 140 in my text, and so we are making a good good progress through this catechism. And I'm looking forward to starting part two on the sacraments. Um, we can go through each one of the sacraments, and that's going to be a wonderful uh, study. So thank you for joining me in this episode of Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and we'll see you next time.